Welcome in to another episode of the Talking Ball Y'all podcast, wrapping up the spring edition of the podcast with five great interviews. First off, Nolan Ryan Alexander from Kennesaw State Radio. Interview number two, Bo Long from East Central Baseball. Number three, Wyatt Davis from 601 Elite Quarterback. Number four, Jack Dungan, Southern Miss's Assistant Athletic Director and Sports and Information Director. And number five, Matt Riser from Southeastern Baseball. Hope you enjoy. Hello, Hornet fans. Devin Smith here. I am so excited to be a proud supporter of Hornet football for the 2021 season. I am also honored to serve you in any or all of your real estate needs, Popperville, Carrier, Picayune, Hattiesburg, or anywhere along the Mississippi Gulf Coast. You can contact me for any of those needs at REMAX Premier Group in Picayune, Mississippi. My cell phone is 601-347-2641 or at my office, 601-798-3399. Go Hornets! We're now excited to be joined by Nolan Ryan Alexander, he is the voice of the Owls Kennesaw State baseball program. Nolan, thanks for taking time for the podcast. I appreciate it. Happy to talk some ball today. Thanks for having me. Nolan, let's look at what Kennesaw is going to bring to Hattiesburg in this regional. If you would, a lot of our listeners certainly familiar with Southern Miss and what Southern Miss is going to have and also with LSU, if you would kind of bring the perspective of what the Owls will bring to Hattiesburg, what what type of baseball they will look to play over the Friday, Saturday, and potentially Sunday there in Hattiesburg? Well, I think fans are going to enjoy watching them because they call themselves the grimy dirtbags. <laughs> yeah, the grimy dirtbags. That's how they like to get the job done. They're not going to be flashy. They're not going to showboat. They're not going to wow you away in one certain area. They're just going to grind out a victory, be scrappy out there in the field, rally. They're going to get punched a little bit. They're going to punch back. And this is a hard-nosed, blue-collar ball club. That's the type of baseball that's gotten them to this point, and they're going to look to do the same this weekend. A pretty good RPI coming into the regional play. How do you look at this matchup with LSU, and how do you think the Owls kind of stack up in that Friday ball game? Yeah, I think it's going to be a very interesting matchup. And speaking with Coach Coe, I think there's a lot of similarities as far as the strengths that reside on these teams offensively. Kennesaw State is a team that hits the ball extremely well and starts at the top of the order with Josh Hatcher, who leads the nation. He's tied for the nation's lead in hits entering today. Tied for the nation's lead in hits. Wow. Uh, coming over from Mississippi State, where he won a national championship. Mm. And now he has an opportunity to go back to the state of Mississippi. Mm. So I know Southern Miss fans uh, are loyal and they have gobbled up tickets. But I think there's probably going to be some Mississippi State fans that will try to find their way in there and uh, cheer on Hatcher. After him, Tyler Simon is a veteran presence in the lineup. Fifth-year guy, a senior for Kennesaw State. He's had some big hits throughout his Kennesaw State career, some late clutch hits. He had four hits in the A-Sun Championship game against Liberty. He will be ready to play. Middle of the order, some new faces that have been pivotal for KSU to win the A-Sun Championship this year. Donovan Cash. Uh, Zach Corbin, who's been on the team but has had injured the past couple of years, and then the transfer, Cash Young, who in his first year with the program set the KSU single-season record with 17 home runs. And then you can't overlook the bottom of the order. Uh, Hassan, Kalina, Edson, Hanson, 
guys that over the course of Fort Myers all provided clutch hits, um, and they can get hot too. I mean, this is a team that uh, through one stretch of the season had 10 straight hits, or excuse me, 10 straight runs in a ball game for like a, a five or six game stretch, had 10 straight hits in a ball game for like a 12 game stretch. Um, if the Owls bats are hot, they're, they're a tough out for anyone. When you look at it, Nolan, any surprise at the seeding or the location um, from the Owls' perspective, or is this kind of what you expected? I'll be honest. I'm gonna I'm gonna go from my perspective. I can't say what the Owls' perspective is. I'm surprised that it's Hattiesburg. One, um, I think it's going to be an amazing atmosphere. Southern Miss has fantastic fans. LSU, we know, has got a very deep fan base. They want to travel. Again, we'll see what the ticket situation is. Um, and uh, Army too. I mean, obviously they have a nationwide fan base and, uh, and exuding respect for uh, the military academy. But uh, I, I was surprised at Hattiesburg simply because of the other regional opportunities. So we know Tennessee's the one seed, and the Knoxville region was announced first. Everyone kind of held their breath, saying, "Okay, are they shipping us to Knoxville? You know, are we going to be in a regional with the Vols?" And <laughs> yeah. that didn't come to pass. So we looked naturally to Statesboro, right? Yeah. Statesboro is about a three, three, three-hour, fifteen-minute drive, not too far at all near Savannah. That all right? They're going to put us in a Statesboro regional. And there was one projection out there at one point over the weekend that had the other Peach State teams. It had Georgia, Georgia Tech, and I thought, "Wow, if you put KSU, Tech, Georgia, and Georgia Southern in a regional that that would be epic. That yeah. would sell a lot of tickets. That'd be good for the sport of baseball in the state of Georgia. Well, that didn't happen. Uh, Texas Tech and I think Notre Dame are out there and uh, Statesboro. So okay, that's a little tough. Well, naturally we're going to go to Auburn. Auburn's the closest one. They'll put us in driving distance three hours from Auburn. Next thing you know, we see it come up in in, in Hattiesburg. And again, excited about the matchup. Surprised that they sent us out there. I think. Uh, I don't know what all goes to the committee. I'm not going to try to be a mind reader, but I think you can make a f- case that okay, Texas Tech is, you know, they're, they're, that's not too far away from uh, Mississippi compared to Statesboro, and sure. I think you could flip there. But I think it presents a really good opportunity for KSU against teams that uh, that have history on their side. I mean, Southern Miss, this isn't just a flash in the pan. This is a team that's made some noise in the NCAA tournament before. There's a lot of history down there. Um, LSU has a lot of history. Army's got history as well. Um, and those, all those teams are very good teams. We're going to have great crowds. I think this regional will have the best fan-supporting crowds of anyone out there. This, this will be the best environment, bar none. Yeah, it looks to have all the makings uh, for that. You've talked about the bats. Nolan, would you kind of give us a look at the arms that uh, the opponents will see this weekend in Hattiesburg? Yeah, so the weekend rotation for Kennesaw State has been consistent with the Friday and Saturday slots with Jack Myers and John Bezdecek. And then in that Sunday role, we've seen a variety of owls take that for Kennesaw State. Uh, Braden Edson, Smith Pinson has been a key arm in the bullpen. He's on the all-freshman team. Mackenzie Stills pitched very well for KSU in the ASUN tournament alongside Luke Torbert. His history is a starter as well, so he can go back and forth as a starter and a reliever. So... If KSU can get the similar pitching performances that they saw down in Fort Myers, that bodes very well for Kennesaw State. Very, very well. Because uh, pitching this year, there have certainly been some strong points. Um, there's also been opportunities where KSU has had some big innings. And that's something that Kennesaw State felt like it needed to address as the season went on. It was just to avoid those big crooked numbers. And when the Owls were able to do that, they got very hot. A couple of sweeps to start a sun play. 
Uh, you mentioned a high RPI. The Owls had an RPI inside the top 10 at one point. At first, they had their top 25 RPI matchup hosted at Stillwell Stadium. They played Georgia Tech uh, back in March. And then they had uh, about three weeks later, first top 10 RPI matchup against the University of Georgia Bulldogs. So pitching has gotten better for Kennesaw State. And if the Owls get performances like they did last week, if they can swing the bats as hot as they do, the sky's the limit for this team. You've been around the program and, and certainly speaking to those type of matchups. How do you think that uh, out-of-conference scheduling kind of helps you as you roll into this type of atmosphere and when you flash a name like LSU in, in front of a program uh, like this? Maybe those type of out-of-conference, you don't bat a big eye, maybe the moment won't be too big. What's your perspective on that? I, I think the players are going to embrace – playing against a, a big name, so to speak. I think they're going to embrace the atmosphere and the environment. I mean, lead, the leadoff guy is Josh Hatcher. He just won a national championship sure. in Mississippi State. So um, he's someone that can help set the table immediately mm-hmm. and try to swing some momentum if there's a rowdy crowd to begin with. But as far as playing some other big-name opponents, I mean, uh, last year, Kennesaw State took two of three from Georgia Tech in a weekend series. This year, they split with Georgia Tech. Um, against Georgia, there was a, a strong back-and-forth game both times. I mean, there's only a couple pitches away from Kennesaw State potentially winning both those games against another NCAA team, the University of Georgia. Um, midweek games against Auburn historically. And then history wells for KSU. There's players, um, when they came to Kennesaw State, some of the older ones, they weren't too far removed from KSU's 2014 regional win in Tallahassee. Mm-hmm. Um, in which they won the Tallahassee Regional against Alabama and uh, played Louisville very, very well in the Supers. But uh, you've got assistants that are back on staff now. you got Bo Way, uh, who was a key cog in KSU winning that 2014 Regional. He's back as an assistant coach here at KSU. So there's a lot of history uh, for players. Either they haven't been in that big moment necessarily this season, haven't had the opportunity. There's people on staff that have um, that can help the approach with that. But I think another thing that's helped Kennesaw State out is the schedule, too. I mean, it's the most daunting schedule. That's the reason KSU has had such a good RPI. And they went on a stretch. February 26th was their last home game. They played three road series consecutively, and they did not come home until March 22nd. So wow. uh, it's kind of rare for a Southern team to spend a month on a road. Yeah. But they've had to do that before. Um, so it's not like KSU just built up its schedule by playing 35, 40 home games this year. Um, they've challenged themselves for sure. Nolan, when you look at um, the work that you've been able to do, if baseball nerds and radio nerds like myself want to follow your work this weekend, how can we listen and and hear some of your calls over the games this weekend? Yeah, so uh, we've got an awesome job here at the KSU Owl Network at KSU Owl Network. That'll have the links on it. Uh, myself and Trey Fowler, we plan to be there for the back half. Jordan Griffith uh, is a KSU alumnus. He's going to get the call to start out alongside Michael Goss. Um, they both do a phenomenal job. They're going to paint the picture very well. It's going to be a lot of fun. So at KSU Owl Network uh, to be able to follow the action for us this weekend. We'll post highlights and, and things out of there. Perfect. Thank you so much for your time, Nolan. We appreciate this preview of the Owls. Absolutely. Let's go have some fun this weekend. Absolutely. Thank you, buddy. Hey, everybody. Have you heard about the new restaurant in town? Brickside Coffee Cafe. 
Stop by and get a cup of your favorite coffee made by one of our great baristas and have some of our yummy breakfast, lunch or dinner. Pancakes, bacon and eggs, the hamburgers, spaghetti and meatballs, mac and cheese, breadfish tacos, and so much more. Don't forget the Brownie Alamo. Check us out on Facebook. Order online. Stop by the drive-thru. Or come on in and stay a while. That's Creekside Coffee Cafe. We'll make you happy. We're now excited to be joined by the 5A state champs, East Central, Bo Long. And Coach Long, how does that sound, man? Man, it sounds great. It sounds great. It was a long time coming. Coach, kind of walk us through the year that y'all have had and uh, the journey that it was and to end, of course, at the Pinnacle and Trustmark Park there with that 5A state championship. Well, we felt like, you know, after last year, you know, we played – we started seven or eight sophomores last year, so we knew we had a chance. Um, the, the big, you know, real good junior class um, to be real competitive this year. Thought we had a chance to be as competitive as we ended up being, but you know how it goes. It's never as easy in reality as it is on paper. We had some ups and downs and some bumps in the road, but the guys did, did what we asked them to, to get through it. And, and ended up where we wanted to be, one of the last games of the season. Coach, when you look at it, you've mentioned that some talented uh, kids on your squad that's going to go on and, and play at some big places. Will you kind of break that down for our listeners, some of your leaders? I believe you had the 5A State uh, Player in the Year in Dunsford. I believe the Porter kids are going to go play uh, some big-time baseball. Just some of your um, your standouts and then some people maybe that flew under the radar that – uh, in this sport, particularly those glue type guys that help you win a championship. Yeah, and, and I'll leave somebody out for sure. You know, I was joking yesterday. We had a big coaches meeting, and um, yeah, they were all congratulating me and giving me a hard time. You know, cause we got so many coming back, and you know, that's what I told them. I said, like, if you want to be a real good coach, you put some real good players. <laughs> uh, that's how you become a good coach. So, you know, it, it's I, I've told people they. Uh, they named me the 5A coach of the year. And I'm like, that just goes to who wins it. And that's still right back on the boys, you know. It's, mm-hmm. it's all about what they do. And, and we did. You got, you know, Dunsford, you mentioned him. He was the 5A player of the year. Um, he probably ended the season somewhere around 450 with four or five home runs and was really, really good for us on the mound. And he's going to college as a hitter, but he's a very good high school pitcher. And, and you mentioned Hollis Porter, who was our only senior starter this year, but he was a heck of a senior. He was the uh, MSU commit. That tell you what kind of hitter he is. Um, he felt like it was a disappointing year. He hit over 350 with six or seven home runs, uh, maybe eight. I don't know. It was a big number, and averaged almost an R game. Uh, that's that's a really good year by both standards. Yeah. It followed on up a junior season that he hit a, a legitimate 500. Just really, really hit a, had a, uh, out of this world junior year. But, um, you know, and then you got, you, you got those two big guys and hit two, three in our lineup pretty much, you know, there in the middle and, and the guys around them, the Carson Riders that, that nobody really talks a lot about who was a middle infielder for us, two year starter and we have him back. 
you know, batted one or two hole all year for us, a 350 hitter. And Eli Smith is our center fielder that, I mean, he's a 6'5", 60 that, that plays hmm. the game as fast as his, you know, clock time is. And that's not normal. You know, you, you'll see a lot of guys that can light up a clock, but they don't play the game as fast as they are. And he, he plays it faster. Um, you know, and he's another mid 300 hitters and he was huge for us on the mound through the playoffs. And he's a left-handed arm that gets a lot of outs, misses a lot of bats, gets weak contact. Um, I carry our catcher. He's a, a first team all state catcher. He's, he's the best we've had. And we've had some good ones come through here, but he's just a rock behind the plate. The, the pitchers love pitching to him. And, he can shut a run down game, a uh, run game down, and um, a really good bat. He hit four hole for us. Um, hits with pop, hits for average. Doesn't strike out a lot. Yeah, a really, really good baseball player. Andrew Marble. Uh, he was our best pitcher this year. You know, and, and you talk about an under the radar guy. He and he's a junior this year to go play after high school until, you know, we're deep in the playoffs. And I think he ended the season, it was, it was some crazy 10 or 12 and two with the sub one ERA. Wow. Just, he was lights out. And we knew he threw game twos and we knew when we rolled him out there, we'd see him when the game was over. He just, mm-hmm. he, he was a good one for us. And like, I mean, I'm going to leave somebody. It's just, it was just an awesome experience because, you know, I had four seniors, one starter, the three, like we did a radio thing last night, um, and, and the kids were able to be involved. And about every kid that spoke, they talked as much about the three non-starting seniors and how wow. awesome of teammates they were and, you know, how they were the loudest ones cheering mm-hmm. in the dugout, being great teammates. And, Man, that makes it fun when you coach a group of guys like that. Heck Not yeah. just ball players, but just awesome kids. Neat stuff, Coach. Coach, when you look at it, um, the environment that the community there at Hurley sets for both the baseball and the softball program, softball programs, elite in itself. What, what, I mean, the way that those kind of programs play off of each other and then that support that that community provides on game day experience. And then I'm sure there were plenty that made the trip up to Trustmark. No, it was a lot up there. It's, it's a cool place. You know, we had one radio guy doing one of our games and he's from Indiana and you could tell from the accent he wasn't, you know, very far removed from Indiana. And, um, he's like, man, it's, this is wild. Baseball is nothing like this. You know, back in my home state, and that was before game one of the South State Championship. He's like, there's just so many people here already. And uh, I'm like, yeah, buddy, they start setting their chairs out two days before <laughs> the game in our regular season. You yes, know? sir. People got their and and the place is always packed. Well, by game two, when he was talking to him before that game, he's like, okay, I get it now. That's a lot of fun. You know, it's cool. <laughs> Uh, it is. It's a neat environment, man. We probably had, you know, we're a small school. We're not very big. We probably have seven, eight hundred kids in our high school, maybe eight hundred. And I bet you half of the student body was at our game. And 
you know, and they're singing along with all the kids' walk-up songs. Mm. And all the it's just cool. It's there's nothing like it. You know, we we we've been so blessed to have kids um, going to play at state. You know, we got one making. He's pitching tonight or today, actually, against the Royals, um, Connor Pilkington. But every one of them, they can't they, they wing back by and they, they tell these guys like, y'all, this is, you know, all these other experiences were cool. Wow. Playing early in front of all these people that you've known your whole life, you know. Neat stuff, Coach. Well, little Coach, I know that uh, it's been a cool experience, but how do you – kind of turn again we were talking before we started recording you you said you know kind of back to the real world and and doing some work around the the field house there today with all the talent you've got coming back coach how quickly do you try to turn the page and and what's the balance between that and letting the kids really enjoy this experience before you start to look ahead well there's a balance what we'll do and Football too, that you know, and I'm sure they're excited about it. We'll do a few things this summer, um, but for the most part, just about our whole team will be in football. You know, they'll start football workouts tomorrow, and um, and we'll do baseball things mixed in. But I, I make sure they know they can focus on that. You know, we're mm-hmm. going to a, a team camp at East Central Community College. Um, Early next week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And, and I've had a couple, you know, one has a, a, a pro scout, whatever, or something. Other. I'm like, buddy, don't stress yourself. Go to it. Hmm. It's okay if you don't go to this with us. Yeah. We'll, it's fine. So we'll use what we do in the summer to focus a lot on You know, we had four arms that pretty much carried us through the playoffs. And, and, and primarily three, but I won't use any of them this summer. Um, we'll focus on our younger pitching and stuff. Our pitching coach, Steve Gerard, has done a great job. Like even through the playoffs and these guys knowing they weren't going to pitch, you know, they they were still getting pins and working on things because we're going to have to have them. We don't mm-hmm. want one this junior class you know, that will be seniors next year. When they leave, we're – we're not we're not looking to just fall out of our face. So, sure. Um, yeah, we're 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 trying to develop those younger ones, and that's what we'll focus on most. Um, you know, the older guys, they'll be okay. Um, we got to get some some varsity type experience and getting them used to playing at a little faster pace. Sure. Coach, man, I can't thank you enough for your time. Congratulations once again, and uh, hope to be visiting with you again about East Central Baseball. Congratulations, Coach. All right. I appreciate it, buddy. Thank you, Coach. If you're looking for granite, quartz, quartzite, or marble, come see Angela Burmaster at Exotic Stones, located at 6985 Highway 11 North in Carrier, Mississippi, or at their brand new showroom located at 1171 Highway 90 in Bay St. Louis. Angela and her staff will help you select the perfect color scheme and will fabricate and install any residential or commercial project that you have. Angela's low prices and personal touch can't be beat. Also, 
Mention the Talking Ball podcast and Angela will throw in a free sink with your installation. For the carrier location, call 601-798-4334 or for the Bay St. Louis showroom, call 228-344-3003. We are now pumped to be joined by what I call the quarterback whisper for the state of Mississippi and beyond that now. That's Wyatt Davis. Wyatt, thanks for taking time for the podcast. Hey, Clay, I appreciate you having me, man. Wyatt, let's dive into a list you put out on your uh, Twitter account uh, yesterday. If you're looking for that Twitter account, it's at WyattDalton4. Um, it's it really tackles what's going to be the senior class for some great quarterbacks in the state of Mississippi and then beyond that. Let's stop. start at the top, and you've got Ricky Collins, a kid out of Woodland High School in Louisiana. He's listed at 6'3", 190. Why, what do you like about this young man's game? I love Ricky's work ethic. That's the biggest thing that stands out to me before we dive into anything. Um, obviously, on his abilities, he has um, ability to make big time throws, big arm kids, make great decisions, understand how defenses operate. Second on the list, Wyatt, you have the Irving kid out of Gaucher, an extremely talented baseball player, and then, um, of course, the quarterback position. Talk about his arm talent, why, and what you like about this young man. Caden Irvin stands out for me. Um, first thing that comes to mind when we talk about Caden Irvin is arm ability. I mean, this kid has one of the most gifted arms, arms in the southeast region of the United States. Um, he can make big-time throws from different arm slots if needed. He's very persistent. You know, he's not scared to throw tight windows. Uh, it's a lot of gifted ability with Hayden. The Herbert kid out of Ocean Springs. Why well, we both got a chance to see him in the spring game against Picune and Theodore. He was, of course, impressed. Man, that Ocean Springs team's a lot of fun to, to watch, period, along with Picune in the backfields. That, that was a fun, I guess, quarter, so to speak, in spring action to see Picune and Ocean Springs. Uh, get it on let's talk about let's start there let's talk about ocean springs scheme and how fun and how well that fits what herbert brings to the table there for the greyhounds um Brayson, obviously the thing that stands out with Brayson's game is his dual threat ability his legs uh, in my opinion he's one of the most athletic quarterbacks in the country on film he didn't start playing quarterback to his sophomore year, so we've had the chance to see him develop over the years. And his arm, his arm continues to get better each, you know, each, each time we work. Um, he took initiative on making himself better in the aspect of his game. You know, it's it's going to be exciting to see what he can do through the air this year. What about what Blake does with him in particular? And then they've got a couple good targets out wide for him to work with. A shifty running back. That offense is going to be explosive for Ocean Springs. Blake does a lot of good things, man. And, and Blake's a good guy. And he, 
someone high in my book. Um, you know, his system with Bray, you know, he does a lot of good stuff with him. You know, he gets them out, you know, as far as a lot of RPOs off the stuff they're throwing, gets them out where he can run and stretch it out. But also, man, you know, he'll get guys, you know, on RPO action, hey, coming in hard, and he'll pull it back and throw it over the middle. You know, and Blake's just a good offensive mind and coach. He's even better dude. You know, as far as receivers they have, uh, J.P. Coulter out the slot, that kid's special. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's a guy who knows how to find leverage in defenses and find the soft balls and coverages. Yeah, really good players there. Let's talk about Ty Davis out of Itawamba High School, listed at 6'3", 205. So that tells a little bit of the story. What kind of talent is Ty Davis? Ty Davis is probably the biggest sleeper in the 23 class. Big kid, he's about 6'3", 205. Very good arm talent. He's very smart. He's very polished when he grows on. You know, he's very consistent, makes really good reads. Um, he's another guy that's going to be a skill for a D1, Division One school coming in. Checks every box. Great kids, um, really smart. Um, I'll look forward to it a while, but they'll end up making a run in the 4A North half State. So, um, for Kyle B. Ty is definitely a sleeper in that class. I look for his recruitment to pick up. He'll have a big season this year. Hopefully he can gather some more than Division I schools. Mooney out of Denham Springs High School. It sounds like the Baton Rouge kind of corridor over there between Woodlawn, Denham Springs. It sounds like the word's out on you over that way. Talk about what kind of uh, talent this kid is. And then maybe the relationship or the starting point for you working with some of these kids out of the Baton Rouge area, Wyatt. And Reese is, Reese is a very talented kid. Um, you know, one thing about him, you know, he's always going to be consistent throwing the ball. He's very smooth mechanically. Um, you know, the biggest jump we've tried to make in this offseason is footwork, just getting him a little lighter on his feet. But he's another kid out of that area that's very smart, protects the ball. He's always going to make good decisions. And most importantly, playing the position, he's going to be consistent. The Garrison kid out of Gordo High School in Alabama, tell us about him. He's, I guess, one of the taller kids that you've worked with and that he's listed at 6'4". Um, Brax Garrison, so he originally was at uh, Tuscaloosa County High School. They're a 7A school that plays against Hoover. Um, Thompson and Luke mm. Rusfield. He ended up transferring to Gordo. Uh, Gordo had a really good quarterback last year named Tanner Bailey, who signed to South Carolina. So he'll be taking over at Gordo. Um, this kid here, man, is another really uh, good kept secret in that 23 class. Big kid, 6'4, 210. Has an elite arm. He can stretch it out. It's going to be interesting to see what he does this year because he has a lot of guys around him. And he'll play in a really good system that fits him. Ethan, so it'll be really interesting with him. Ethan Crawford, six foot one ninety, out of Hillcrest High School in in Alabama. Um, why? What? What do we need to know about him? And 
it seemed like just watching you as you've kind of progressed with this wide it seems like of course the whole state of mississippi and then some honey holes as core uh, over by baton rouge the tuscaloosa area of of alabama tell us exactly how you start to work with a guy like crawford so it obviously started with brax garrison uh, him and brax were actually friends you know word of mouth got out i was working with brax and he had hit me up he was wanting to get in on some work um he's another very talented guy actually had both brax and ethan in the league 11 in nashville He's, a, he's about six foot. But this the ball jumps out. He's a his hand, really nice. You know, he's another kid on film, just a playmaker all the way around. Makes good, great throws. Very good on his touch passes and laying it up when he has to. But the kid can rip it across the middle. He's another guy with a very good arm. He's very. He has a high football IQ. He's always gonna make good decisions. Just one of those guys who has it, man. I know he has a few D1 offers. I look for him to continue to stack that offer table up. All right, now we get back into the state of Mississippi for the the tail end of this list. Kid from Petal, Del J. Bailey. Tell us about Bailey and um, what you expect out of this young man. 6'1", 200 pounds uh, for the Panthers there in Petal. Yeah, LJ's another kid out of the 23 class that I'm looking forward for his stock to keep growing here. Um, another big, big kid. He's got a great arm. Comes from a football family. That's DJ Bailey. Mm. That's what I mean. He, um, you know, he, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does at Pedal. Um, obviously, hardworking kid. Great football smarts he has. Um, very strong arm kid. He's consistent. You know, he went even when he was small. I've always known a kid since he was about five years old. He's always he grew up with a football in his hand. So it's going to be interesting to see what DLJ does. The talent there. Uh, him making the swap from Biloxi to Pedal. It's going to be interesting to see what Pedal does offensively with him. Yeah, I had a chance to see him when he was at Biloxi last year against. I guess it was against Popperville early in the year the palazzo kid from gulfport what what's he like wyatt so jacob palazzo out of gulfport is another kept secret especially on the gulf coast area he's about 5 11 and 185 190 pounds you turn on a film this kid makes plays straight up like this kid can throw the ball Makes great decisions. Um, can extend the play as well. I mean, you see stuff off platform throws he makes. He has he's a great arm. He's also a great baseball player too. When we look at the next guy, this guy I want to camp out on a bit just because I got a chance to see him in a state championship ball game for Scott Central, and they're a smaller A school. But don't let that fool you, man. This Scott Central team. <laughs> Last year could have played with some of the bigger A programs in all of the state, and that's Quez Goss. He's 5'10", 190. He plays bigger than that, stands tall in a pocket, and you talk about a guy that can deliver a football. He is a lot of fun to watch. Why? So Quez, 
when we first got him, man, this kid here, it's a hungry kid wanting to get better. You know, the, the craziest thing about Quez, we have we have one offseason with him. He grew so much this past offseason, and when you took him to film from this spring, he was like a totally different kid as far as his drop. Him being more relaxed and him really anticipating, you know, zones in the defense opening up. But I'm looking forward to seeing how he pans out this year because his growth was unbelievable. You know, he's a very talented kid. He's just a playmaker, man. He's he's not no six one, six two quarterback, about five nine, five ten. But when it comes time to make plays, Wes also gonna make a play. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Really put on a show in that state championship game. And then Christian Turner on the Mississippi Gulf Coast for Harrison Central, 5-10-185. Um, Turner, a good baseball player, too. You, It seems like there's a trend there in four or five of these guys really being elite two-sport guys. So Christian Turner, I had the opportunity to work with him a little bit over the past uh, few weeks. He's not a very big guy, but you turn on the film, this is another kid that can play. Makes great throws. Very athletic, move. He's uh, very consistent. He has a really great arm, too. You know, a lot of people sleep on this kid, and I think he's a good quarterback. And uh, there's no doubt he's a guy that can do something at the next level. Why? Would you tell our listeners the opportunities you've had a couple times to work with the lead 11 um, quarterback and, and what those camps kind of show you about what we have locally, how our, how our kids kind of stack up against kids from across the country? So I've had the opportunity to work the lead 11. I got invited to go to Nashville and work it. And I also had the opportunity to work it right here in Baton Rouge. You know, it's a great opportunity. Obviously, I have guys working or guys that I've worked with in it. But it's also a great opportunity to see guys coming out of Cal, California, Texas, Florida, all over the country to see how they stack up within the guys around in this area. Um, it was it was a great experience, you know, working with guys who've been in, my, in the profession I'm in for a long time. Guys like Quincy Avery, Fred Dilfer, uh, list goes on. Really guys who are respecting the business as far as quarterback coaches, you know, just taking their influence and bringing it back here to give back to these kids is what it was what it was about for me. It was a great experience. Um, as far as talent, how it compares up, I mean, we got guys here in the South. It's just continued and being consistent on working with them and exposing them to what these kids over in Texas and Florida and California are getting exposed to. That's neat stuff. Why continued success, man. We always appreciate your time for us. That's the 601 elite quarterback, Wyatt Davis. Go find him. Hook up with him if you've got a, a quarterback that's looking to get better. Wyatt, thank you again, man. Hey, thanks, Clay. Y'all have a good one, man. You too, buddy. With fall and cooler weather just around the corner, there's no better time to head out to Brothers in Arms. It's Hattiesburg's premier outdoor gun range. It is located at 4657 Highway 49 South. Whether you're a new shooter or an experienced one, all are invited to shoot on the safe and family-oriented range. Go check them out and inquire about their annual memberships 
hourly rates as well as their training classes they offer. Once again, that's Brothers in Arms Outdoor Range at 4657 Highway 49 South in Hattiesburg. And remember, always keep your sights pointed downrange. We're excited now to be joined by Jack Duggan. He's the Assistant Athletic Director and SID for Southern Miss. Jack, thanks for taking time for the podcast. Oh, no problem. Glad to be on with you. Jack, let's look at this Southern Miss team and the regular season and then conference tournament play, and then we'll get into the regional. But just your impression, uh, I know you've got great history and in, in following along with Southern Miss baseball, kind of how this team stacks up against past Golden Eagle clubs. Well, I think if you look at it, I mean, hey, 43, 43 wins, that's nothing to sneeze at. I mean, it's uh, – you know, right now, I think it's third most wins in school history. So, uh, for a season, so it's it's a team that that has enjoyed a lot of success. Uh, I think, I think pitching wise, we might we might have you might see probably the best pitching staff that, that we've ever ever put together. Uh, over six hundred strikeouts, I think six hundred sixty eight, which is a school record. Uh, they've they've produced eight shutouts. Uh, I think on the back end, twenty three saves. Uh, so there's a lot of arms uh, in our bullpen, uh, we've, and then to complement with our with our our top three starters, which are Tanner Hall, who's a Conference USA Pitcher of the Year, uh, Hurston Waldrop, and then uh, Hunter Riggins. You know, a, a trio that 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 you know pitched every weekend during the conference uh, season. They pitched in the conference tournament. You don't see that a whole lot. So uh, just uh, you know that uh, that. Uh, just I think just goes uh, and, and starts with this was 2022 club. As for as for our hitting, you know we got five guys that five guys that have um, that have hit double digit homers. First time we've done that I think since like 1997 or 98, uh, somewhere in there. Um, uh, we got led by Dustin Dickerson, our shortstop. He's got 23 doubles. That's what tied for ninth on our single season chart. He's been really good in our two hole. Uh, Reese Ewing, who missed some time, uh, we missed him. You know, late April, early May, he came back and you know he's he's settled back into the lineup. Uh, Christopher Sargent, twenty home runs to lead us this year. That's tied for ninth on our single season list. Uh, you know, we, uh, Will McGillis has had a great year offensively. Uh, Danny Lynch has really come on. He had eight hits in the conference USA championship. Uh, made all tournament team uh, for that, so uh, we got guys. Uh, I think we're I think uh, ready to go and and, and looking forward to uh, to uh, host our third regional uh, in our history this weekend. Jack, when you talk about uh, that pitching staff and those arms, uh, I guess when you're working with John Cox on the radio broadcast, he refers to you as the uh, the old lefty. Y'all went through, I don't know which broadcast it was, they kind of all run run together because I consume so much baseball on the radio side uh, here recently, but y'all walking through the strikeout list and y'all brought up some names um, that Southern Miss folks would be familiar with, but to hear you and John describe them, it would be, you know, they were gritty, they were willing to take the baseball, and of course they had stuff, but the stuff that these guys have as the starters and some of the guys coming out of the pen, probably next level, as you've already kind of talked about. But they're 
it's just incredible, is it not, Jack, to see the, the arms in college baseball and particularly the Southern Miss staff? Well, I, I think so. I mean, if you look at our staff, I mean, six or seven different you know, statistics were in top, you know, top six, top seven. I mean, I, you know, <laughs> we're first in the country in strikeout to walk ratio. We're, you know, number, we're number two in earned run average, number two in whip. Uh, we're we're top five in walks per nine innings, top five in strikeouts per nine innings. I think we're sixth or seventh in hits allowed. You know that's 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 pretty pretty phenomenal. Uh, and uh, just just uh, you know a, a team that is the team that is has struck out six hundred and sixty eight and walked just one hundred and fifty two. Wow. I mean I mean that's just and and opponents batting average is two twenty eight. <laughs> uh, team ERA 3.16. You're right, and it's just there's so many pieces that, that that we have. I mean, I mean, once you get once you get you know past our starters, you got Dalton Rogers, you got Landon Harper, you got Garrett Ramsey, you, know, you got Tyler Stewart, you got uh, Chandler Best, Ben Etheridge, Justin Storm, Isaiah Rose. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. You know, then then you got a Matt Adams who who can come in and, and pitch for you. Uh, as a starter or as a reliever, so I, I mean, it, it, it's it's a nice problem to have uh, so many quality arms, and uh, you know, if you, you look back, you look back, uh, you know, when I played, you know, got through ninety two, ninety three, they were they were really they were really pumping it in there, and you know, now we got a guy, Hurston Waldrop, who consistently throws 97 98 and uh which is slowly becoming the norm in college baseball but uh you know i mean it's 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 really remarkable um you know the things that our pitching staff has done this year when you talk about that staff and then when you look at teams like old dominion um and then Texas San Antonio, some teams that were left out of the field, Jack, and the way that they uh, could swing it. That's that's kind of surprising coming out of the conference not to see at least one of those two included in the field. Am I off on that? Uh, I, I think everybody was disappointed uh, with, with Old Dominion and UTSA getting left out. Uh, you know, we've kind of all, at least, you know, here we all felt like they did they did what they needed to do to get in. Uh, they played really well, you know, especially down the stretch. Uh, Old Dominion was an incredibly talented uh, ball club. Uh, just really, you know, I mean, they had, you know, two two of the top home run hitters in the country. Uh, I think number two in the in the nation behind Tennessee in home runs. Uh, they had they had probably two or three really good pitchers. Uh, UTSA kind of the same way, you know, not as much power. But uh, you know Ryan Flores, at least against us, man, he was he was unbelievable, and uh, you know he sort of led that UTSA club that was really really scrappy. They swung the bat, uh, you know they fought off pitches, you know they did what they needed to do, and and you know their head coach Pat Hallmark, he used to he he was an assistant under Wayne Graham at Rice, so you could see some of the same same things that that Rice did that that, that he utilized at least last week. Um, uh, it, when they were in Hattiesburg, and uh, you know, for the most part, worked to his advantage. I think maybe they ran out of l- gas a little bit on Sunday in the championship game, but uh, against Louisiana Tech, but, but the, boy, they they really came in. They played very very well. Jack, the 
community, the fan base has certainly always been strong for Southern Miss baseball, but they've responded in a in a big way this year. How cool from your perspective and your history with the program to see the numbers uh, come out to the peat and and the way this crowd support has just grown. Oh, it's it's been it's been phenomenal. I mean, people people just love Golden Eagle baseball, and it's something you got to credit. You know, you got to credit start. It goes back to Pete Taylor, then starts with Hill Denson, then and then from Hill Denson's Corky Palmer, now Scott Barry. I mean, you know, the stability that this program has had over the last forty years, um, you know, is, is nothing you know, short of amazing. I mean, it's just, um, you know. The, the success that we had, I mean, you look at it, we've had 20 straight 31 seasons. Uh, you know, we are one of two te- one of two programs that have won uh, 40, 40 wins or have had, have had 40 wins in, in, in a, a series of years, I guess, six or more years. We've done it six times. Um, Dallas Baptist has done it. Uh, I want to say they've done it uh, half, uh, seven times. And uh, they're, they're actually – what 34 22 and one and they're yeah. still playing they're in a regional so they've got a ways to make up to get to 40 again so if, if they can't get to 40 you know we would have that sort of that moniker and uh with the most consecutive 40 win seasons and to me that says a lot that says that says it's a program that is is stable it's consistent and uh you know we just keep doing things very well here um in hattiesburg uh, with with what we do with our with our baseball program, the guys to work with Jack. We certainly know that the records they've uh, put up, the the guys that they've developed, but the personal side, uh, Coach Palmer and Coach Barry in particular. I know guys that you've worked day in and day out with in the past. Can you kind of give us a look into what kind of people they are and how they are to work with day to day? Well, I tell you, Coach Barry is 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 possibly well i know he's he's the best head coach i've ever worked with hmm. you know just just on that level uh but uh a caring um compassionate uh man i mean they don't get any better than than scott barry uh you know to to know scott barry is a love scott barry and uh you know he's been he's been he's been a, a a great, great mentor, head coach, you name it. And, uh, you know, you saw it when he was, you, you saw it with all the, the tweets back when he, when he became the all time coaching leader here in terms of victories at 469, you know, earlier this season and, uh, all the former players that, that tweeted at him and, and I'm sure the text that he got, I mean, um, it just is a testament to the, to the type of person that he is. You know, Coach Palmer was was phenomenal. He was my pitching coach my freshman year here, mm-hmm. uh, back in 1986 before he went to Meridian uh, to be the head coach there. But uh, you know, and I've gotten to know Coach Palmer through the years, and and he's another guy who just he loves baseball, he loves people, um, and uh, he's just fun to be around. And uh, but you know, it's just it's just you know. It, it, it's a building when you go over that baseball building and even Hill Denson, Hill Denson still mm-hmm. comes around a lot. Yeah. So I get to see him and, 
You know, I mean, how many programs in the country have that where, yeah. where your former coaches come and hang out? I don't think there's a lot, at least not on the college baseball level. No, so, it wasn't long yeah. ago, Jack. I brought my son. He's, I guess, 12 now, but brought him to a ball game, of course, when Coach Palmer was in better health. And we saw all yeah. three ball coaches, you know, in that afternoon. Yeah. And I thought the same thing. Boy, that's pretty special, you know. You know, one of my favorite pictures, and, I, and hey, look, if you've seen me, you know I'm not very photogenic. But one of my favorite pictures is uh, is me leaning up against uh, the the uh, the railing of, the, of our third base dugout. And I think it was before the 2017 regional, and I'm in between Coach Palmer and Coach Denson, and uh, that that to me is one of the best. Mm-hmm. One of my besides me and my family, that's one of my favorite pictures outside of my family. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that uh, I, I got to tell you, I, I, I cherish a lot. So. Um, you know, uh, because it's you know, not only not only a lot of Southern Miss baseball history for for the masses, also for me as well. So having been a part of uh, of the program, I guess this is my what 18th or 19th year in some sh- shape or form uh, officially a part of the program. So uh, you know, I was I was a player for two years. I was then I was the a student student SID for two years. And then graduate assistant uh, SID for two years and then I left for 15 years I came back in uh, 2006 and um, did some did some color for John a few years but didn't really take back over baseball SID duties until 2011 so um, so which was which was Scott's second year so so I've been with coach Barry for most of his tenure so it's been fun I tell you it's uh, they're a great group to travel with. They're a great group to be around. Um, I'm very, I'm very fortunate in, in the in the position that I have that, that I'm able I'm able to do that. And it means a lot to me to be able to to be a small, a very small part of, of of Southern Miss baseball. Jack, when you look at this regional, you get to host as a 11 seed nationally. Um, what do the Golden Eagles need to do to to survive uh, this this regional and play again? the following weekend what do you think it would take you know such a great regular season and not a bad conference showing fan bases think that you're you're going to win all of those that's not necessarily the case um but not a bad showing in the conference tournament just say what you what you think it would take for the golden eagles to do to be successful this weekend well i think i think you know we're gonna have to continue to pitch you know at the high level that we are um i think that's 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 job one, and then I think we just got to we just got to figure out a way to, to get more a little bit more offense. I think if we could do that, we hit a little bit uh, more timely. Uh, I think I think we could I think we could have a lot of success this weekend. I really do. Baseball is a funny game, is it not, Jack? You look at this past weekend and some of those double plays that were hit into and um, things that just don't necessarily bounce the right way. It's such a a weird game, a game that's tr- truly hard. Maybe harder to predict than most sports. Well, you know, you know what they always say. Well, that's baseball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you can't explain it. You well, you know, that's just baseball, and uh, you know, and, and yeah, you're right. I mean, just sometimes, sometimes the ball falls in for you. Sometimes it doesn't. And uh, you know, we've had our share of 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 you know good fortune, uh, and then we've we've had a little bit of bad fortune. So. Uh, you know, we had to play. We had to play at, at Miami 
uh, on getaway day where uh, it was 3-1, bottom of the ninth, tie ball game. Uh, bases loaded, Garrett Ramsey was pitching. He threw he threw a pitch, and uh, late, kind of a late call by the home plate umpire, he called it a strike. Well, FIU thought it was a ball. The, 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 the hitter was taking his gloves off to go down to first base. The runner at third started started running home. Uh, when he called a strike, uh, Blake Johnson alertly ran the guy back down to third. Okay? Threw it to Danny Lynch at third. Danny Lynch put the tag on for the second out. And then and then Ramsey came back with another pitch, struck the guy out. Get out of the inning. We ended up going 13 innings and win, uh, win in the 13th. So, uh, I tell you, it's, it's, you know, there's been some things like that this year and, you know, you just, you take those and you, you move on and, um, you know, we're, we're just, I don't know, man, I'm just excited. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to, to getting, getting past all the, the pre-tournament work that we've got <laughs> going on and I can enjoy a little bit of baseball. Will you be on the call some with John this weekend, uh, Jack? I know that puts you kind of doing double duty, but will that be the case this, this coming weekend? No, I think I'm gonna. I decided. I decided I'm gonna score the tournament this weekend, so I'm gonna sit in the press box. I'm gonna let John fly solo this weekend. Um, I just felt like, in terms of of our staffing and and you know from from the athletic communication side. I felt like that was the that was the uh, the best way to go. A um, lot of lot of thing, lot of a lot more things to put in play when you host an NCAA regional. A lot a lot of more. There's a lot more formality than there is in a conference tournament, and so we want to do everything as well as we can in a first class manner. And uh, so so we are going to. Um, uh, we're just going to switch some things out. So my entire staff, they'll be stretched pretty thin, but, but we're going to, they're going to, they're going to do well like they did last weekend. I know. So, so we're just excited. We're excited to have LSU. We're excited to have Kennesaw State. We're excited to have Army West Point in this weekend. And, uh, we're looking forward to a really, really good regional and hopefully weather will hold off. Yeah. And you think John will be able to handle a broadcast by himself? He's done quite a few of them. Has he not, Jack? We he, talk about he stability has, he in a no program. Doubt. Mercy. Coxie, he, he, he knows how to get it done and he will, <laughs> he will, he will come through again this weekend. There's no doubt. Thank well, he'll do he'll do fine without me, I can assure you. <laughs> Jack, man, can't thank you enough. I know it's a busy week. We appreciate you letting us steal some of your time. Uh, no problem. You, appreciate you having me on and uh, anytime. But I look forward to doing it. Thank you, Jack. How do you unwind? Whether it's hunting, riding horses, or just sitting around a campfire, it's better on land you own. Southern Ag Credit can finance that land. Give our Gulfport office a call at 228-832-5582 or visit us online at southernagcredit.com. Attention all Little League coaches and commissioners, all high school coaches and athletic directors, or anyone looking for plaques, trophies, or any other kind of ceremonial awards. Give our friends at Riverbanks Engraving a shot. They specialize in custom plaques, trophies, championship rings, and more. They even do custom engraved hats. You can stop by their shop at 107 West Canal Street in Picayune or give them a call at 601-798-4928. 
Also, look them up on Facebook and give their page a follow. Riverbanks and Gravy, no award is too big or too small. We are now pumped to be joined by Matt Riser, the head coach, of course, of the Southeastern Lions. They've earned themselves an automatic bid out of the Southland Conference. They'll head over to Auburn to participate in a regional with some big-time names. Matt, we appreciate you taking time for the podcast. Absolutely, Clay. Anytime, my friend. Appreciate you having me on. And, yeah, you uh, you hit the nail on the head. Going over there with some blue bloods in Auburn, huh? Florida State, UCLA. Why not, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's got to fire your kids up. I know you're a fiery guy. How do you kind of temper that, Matt? Baseball, you know, such a funny game when it comes to uh, walking that line of being fired up, but but maybe a little bit too much. How do you kind of temper that going into something this big? Yeah, you know, uh, I think we do a really good job of, of playing with energy, and by doing that, also you can play emotionally too. So uh, we 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 to try to tell them, hey man, see the line, right? Define the line of what is playing emotional, what's playing with energy. Uh, don't play emotional. You play emotional, you're, you're not focused, you're not uh, executing a plan, you're playing irrational, right? So uh, you know, play with the energy. You know, I want a good upbeat tempo. It's consistent in what we're doing. Uh, but if, if we kind of get, you know, riding the hoorahs and the bat flips, right, and the back flips that they all do, uh, then you try to get a little motion and you get unfocused on what the, the actual game plan is, trying to win the moment. <clears throat> you know, we've, we've kind of embraced this, this saying since probably, you know, uh, probably early April, middle of March as, there's moments inside the season, right, that you got to identify games, five or six games throughout the year that could change the course of your season. But there's also those moments inside the game as well. And so identify those moments, see those moments. It might be the first inning. It might be the eighth inning. Uh, but when you see that moment, man, identify it and go win that moment. If you can stay in the now and stay that precise where you're focused on what you're trying to do, you keep winning enough moments, all of a sudden you're going to win the day. So uh, we try to take that mindset, keep it real simple, right, short-sighted, don't look at what has, has, has happened or what is to come. Um, uh, stay in the now and win that moment. Matt, when you look at a basically around probably that same time period, can you define a moment where your year kind of shifted? You played so well and really had to, honestly, to to earn this bid. Was there a spot that the lines where you kind of saw them and this year changed for you? Yeah, absolutely. You know, like you said, it got dark and gloomy there with the nine-game losing streak. And, you know, we've, we've had so much going uh personally in the fall uh you know we, we had the hurricane happen but we we laid one of ours to rest you know caleb manuel oh mom knew is what we called him uh 30 years old he finally you know passed away from his battle with cancer so uh had to endure that during the fall practices and and obviously you know getting that team together we get into the springtime and now all of a sudden the injuries just start hitting left and right uh you know we lose seven of, of our arms going into the season uh you know four of them are rotation guys that are supposed to be in the weekend or midweek rotation and uh yeah it, you know it, it had a lot of things we had to overcome early uh but i think that's the growth that we needed to get to the point to where we are now and, and have the success we did here so you know we get a nine game losing streak and honestly clay every every little dark cloud that was in the sky felt like it was over our heads and, and we had to kind of get out of that mode and you know why us why me type of deal uh and just go ahead and own the moment that hey man next man up mentality so we did actually a total reset um you know I go back to Tulane. We're playing them at their place. Uh, we come back. It's a seven-six game. And all of a sudden, our closer blows out his elbow, and you know it's it's a moment where you know it, it could really. Uh 
you know, jived us pretty good, and it, and it did. It was part of the losing streak. You know, we get in the Nichols weekend. We mismanaged some things out of, the, out of the bullpen, trying to figure out what to do now that we don't have Harrington, and he's gone, and Stupert was supposed to start that weekend. His bullpen doesn't go right, so he's out for the rest of the season as well. And so we're, you know, we're scrambling a little bit. You know, you don't want to open up conference play in that, in that sense of direction, but we started out getting swept first time in my career by Nichols, and, you know, in all honesty, it, it became a mental deal for us. So, you know, that Monday we kind of went in and we discussed with the staff, let's get creative on how we need to do this. You know, we can fix this. This is not – let's not get to the end of the season and go, man, if we'd have done X, Y, or Z, uh, you know, we still could have done, you know, something with this team. And, and, and we knew we were talented. We knew we had some good players. We knew there were some pieces we had to figure out how to put together. So we did a total reset. Uh, we called everybody in and, and we shaved to went clean shaving and uh, May Lady was the first day of the fall, right? Guys get up, introduce themselves to each other. You know, hey, I'm so and so from wherever I am. I'm a I'm a junior, right? I play this position and here's my fun fact about myself. So, you know, when you get in that moment, um, you gotta remind yourself of what the foundation is. You know, uh, if you don't know what your foundation is, everything you've built on top of it will crumble uh, no matter how how tall you build it. So, uh, you know, that's what we went back to. What's our foundation? What's our what's our three team commandments you know what's our our mission statement what's our goals uh, you know we just kind of got back in into the in the cupboard a little bit and define what you know what it means to be a lion and that kind of stuff so you look up and we didn't have the result we wanted immediately we, we played a good lafayette team that's also in a regional and midweek and we know again with no pitching because we had exhausted everything uh in in the weekend series with nickels and all the injuries so a lot of guys got opportunities you know unfortunately we come up short we give up a three-run home run late to lose six to four and uh, against a good Lafayette team. But the, the demeanor was just different, if you know what I mean, Clay. Mm-hmm. You could tell... Uh, hey man, this is this is going to be us, and this is there's no cavalry coming, there's no help coming. This is these are the guys we're going to have to get it done for. So um, you know that weekend we go in the incarnate word. Um, we've got another one. We've got one in hand. We mismanage again, just trying to figure out the pitching stuff and putting guys in the roles they need to be in to be successful. And uh, we get beat again, man. And just late in the ball game, we had a game that was won the entire time. Uh, and next thing you know, you look up and we get beat eight to six. So you know the conversation after that night and. In San Antonio, it was real simple. Nobody's going to help you. Nobody's going to feel sorry for you. You got to have to do it yourself, and it's not going to be easy. Um, by God, it's, it's it's a nine-game losing streak. It's the longest losing streak we've had since the '90s in two decades. So, uh, the only way, the only person that can pull ourselves out of it is us. So, let's go out there and understand that. Hey, man, there's going to be that moment, right, where you're going to identify it. The tide's got a chance to change a little bit on us. You win that moment, you'll win the day, and that's kind of where that saying started to come from. And we did. We we came back, uh, you know, back and forth a little bit in that game on Saturday against the Incarnate Word. Next thing you know, we put up and we responded to them scoring. Next thing you know, we went, I think, 10-5 or 10-4. So that was all kind of that week that we had kind of redefined everything or kind of recentered everything, reset everything, uh, that we knew, man, this is this is the right path we're on. We get a comeback win late against their closer on Sunday to win a series on the road in San Antonio, which is not an easy place to play. And that it was kind of the turn of the tide. You start to feel this thing going the right direction, being more like line baseball. Matt, when you talk about line baseball, talk to our listeners about Preston Faulkner and what he's meant to that line's lineup and, and to your club. Yeah, I can tell you what it means to this club. I can tell you what it means to me personally, man. He's a uh, he's a special human being. Um, obviously, everybody's going to see the 70 RBI, 17 home runs, 18 doubles. Uh, he's an extremely talented player. He's a premium first baseman at, at first over there defensively. Um, you know, and, and in all honesty, he's been our rock. You know, when 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 you have adversity and you have failure. 
um, it's human nature for people to start to blame and poke holes and uh, a lot of, you know, naysayers, people that are not inside the circle, right? Uh, fans can be great and they can be brutal sometimes too. And so, uh, you know, they had a, a situation where they could easily abandon the ship, right? Got off of it and not believe what we're selling and all the conversations we're having to get things right. But Preston Fallen was a huge reason why uh, we're, where we're at now. Uh, I credit everything to our leadership of all that, that those leaders, man, and Preston Fallen and Evan Keller and Tristan Welch and uh, just all those guys, Connor Manola, that just continued to keep the team together. But Preston was a big part of that. So you see the numbers he put up right but he was the voice on the field he was the voice in the locker room he was the voice in the dugout saying hey man don't listen to all that outside noise block it out you know this is what we talk about being mentally tough sometimes people miss the skies what they think mentally tough is mentally tough is who and who and yelling and screaming and you know that's not necessarily mentally tough mentally tough is being able to handle adversity and having perseverance to be able to overcome uh, those things and have success in the back end and just truly believing in something uh when when it seems so dark and it seems that, that that you know hey man i keep doing this process but the result's not what it's going to be but you know the process is right and so staying convicted in that man is what Preston Fulton did the entire time for us for himself uh, he's deserved every bit of the success he's gotten, uh, and he'll be a, a lifelong friend, man, that I will, will, will cherish for a lifetime. He'll be one of my all-time favorites for sure. Matt, when you look at the arms, you've kind of described the dilemma y'all have been in even before you got started, really, but it jumps out at me. I'm sure it does, too. Your highest win totals four, but if my math's right, you've got six six guys that have four wins. Kind of describe what, I mean, that you've had to create some depth, which is a good thing coming into regional play, but what is that uh, struggle at times? And now that uh, the arms have kind of came alive at the right time of the year, the available arms, kind of talk about that and how it sets up for the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, Will Kinsler has been our Friday night guy all year long and, and had an injury happening these the weekend we got swept. It was really kind of the only blemish we had in the back half of the season. You know, we finished, I think it was 22-11 and 11 in the back half. That's included that three-game sweep at McNeese. So that weekend, Will tweaked his knee, uh, what we thought was a tweak of the knee. We thought we were going to be okay. Uh, obviously rehabs and stuff, and then and then next week went back out and had a lot of issues. So he's he's really battled Warrior through some things. If you look at Game Three, of the Conference Championship Series, uh, you know he could barely walk out there to the mound. Gave us two shutout innings, and then you know we felt like we were you know, possibly putting him at risk. So we went ahead and pulled him out. You know he he did what we needed to do, inspired our team to go win a championship. So he'll be out actually this weekend. Unfortunately, we won't have him in regionals. But again, uh, this is just next man up mentality. So you, you, we're going to start Adam Guth against the Auburn. Tigers, uh, you know, and, and the, the beauty of this thing, you know, with all these injuries, Clay, it's unfortunate. I hate it for our kids that are going through the injuries, but they're resilient. They're going to get back, bounce back for next year. Uh, but it's created opportunities for a guy like Adam Guth. And Adam Guth was a freshman walk-on. And we got, you know, middle of the summer, last summer. Um, and and now, you know, again, we're looking at him being possibly a matchup piece right out of the bullpen left-handed. Now he's going to be our number one starter going into our regional. And really has been kind of our number one starter the last couple of weeks just with everything going on with Will Kinsler. So, uh, you know, his opportunity came against Ole Miss. You know, he gets to go out, gets the ball in a midweek game against the number one team in the country at the time. And uh, if he doesn't get that experience, you know, 
he doesn't turn into what he did and did does you know down the line for us in the regular season and the conference play and and obviously now going into a, a regional so uh he's got the experience man he's extremely mature in what he does uh, you know he handles himself like an upperclassman uh, the moment's never too big for him but again i don't think he he's where he's at now unless he does what he does against Ole miss and those guys and gets that opportunity early so you know again we've gotten creative in some of this <clears throat> what we've done andrew landry was a guy we were using on the bullpen it's an electric stuff clay i mean it's just it's 93 95 with a slider change up curveball i mean it's extremely electric i mean he's been up to 97 sometimes this year and uh you know that traditionally looks like a bullpen piece when you talk about that trying to finish off games and also we had lost a close early in the year so we want to keep him in the bullpen we don't want to take him out of the bullpen but you know when you you go look at andrew's kind of history of what he was doing he's only a sophomore and we're still trying to mold him into what he is and um you know we put him in a starting rotation role and and he's really done a good job of endorsing things you know he's gone through uh the the command issues that he has at times and then all of a sudden you look up and he gives you six or seven in so those two young men have come a long ways have really matured uh and they don't get those opportunities unless we have the injuries we do so uh and the schedule we play you know again they're having success against some big name programs uh when they do that and also just continues to build confidence moving forward Matt, you talked about the moment and then also the scheduling of a series like Arkansas, the thought process and going, and then you talked about Ole Miss. I think at that time, Arkansas, when y'all played them, was probably number two or three in the country. Ole Miss, yep. number one. How much does that help you going into what you'll see 6 p.m. on the Plains on Friday night? Yeah, I think it's a lot of help in all honesty, Clay. You know, we're, we're used to that environment. We're used to, to playing that caliber of team, and, and we've had success against those teams, right? Um, I think the main reason, you know, we continue to vouch that, hey, man, the schedule we would make out non-conference-wise will always challenge our program um, and, and – in theory, right, we're winning those games, more of those games, more of the games we did this year, and we're getting that large bid. But in the worst-case scenario, we're prepped for conference play, and, and we can make a run like we did this year in the conference, you know, regular season. Uh, we're there at the back end. You know, we came up a game short and finished second in the conference regular season, but then also make the run through the tournament to get the automatic bid. And I think all that, you know, built towards us having that success there at the back end of the season and also plays into this weekend where, you know, it, it's, um, it's funny to watch. You know, we knew we were either going to Hattiesburg or Auburn. Uh, Hattiesburg Regional pops up, you know, uh, we're not in. So now we know we're Hey man, we're, we're going to Auburn, right? Now we got another SEC West opponent, you know. Uh, and now we start to look at this thing unfold, and here comes Florida State, dude. The the grins in the room just continue to get larger and larger, and all of a sudden you see UCLA pop up, like yeah. I mean, hey man, they're competitors, you know. They they want to showcase what we have as a program in Hammond America uh, to the best of the best, and nobody's going to question them going up against that type of competition. I mean, those are the blue bloods of college baseball. You know, they've got national championships underneath their belt. They've got multiple multiple college series appearances underneath their belt. So, uh, you know, they were excited uh, as that thing continued to unveil, and then we started to go Lion, Tigers, uh, Bruins, and Knowles. Oh, my, right? So yeah. it would be a lot of fun. Uh, we're super excited about the opportunity. You know, we get to face Sonny Desher, uh, you know, uh, the co-SEC Player of the Year this weekend on Friday night. Uh, there's a premium matchup, the, the best matchup 
in the regional, from what I keep reading, apparently is going to be the number one from Florida State, the number one from UCLA there on Friday. So we get to watch that on the front end of that, uh, where it's apparently every scout in America is coming. I think the guy from Florida State has like 140 strikeouts on a year, something insane. Uh, so you're going to probably try to watch two first-rounders go at it. Uh, we're supposed to be the premium matchup. So you can ask for a better regional. Uh, it's so exciting that, man, they've sent the man himself, Kyle Peterson and Tom Hardy, in to, to come yep. broadcast and, and do our stuff. So mm. you know it's big dogs whenever they send those yes. guys. You talk about the arms, Matt, and then I'll let you go. I know your time's super valuable. It wasn't all that long ago you made a trip to Omaha with, with Tulane, a big a big piece of that run to get out there. These arms that these kids face nowadays, Matt, I know, I know you're coaching them hard, but there's got to be a point in the dugout where you're thinking, good gracious, man, what, seeing some of these arms. Is it unreal, Matt, the pitching in college baseball? Well, the clay in all honesty, talents at all time high uh, in all of college baseball. The Division One level, you know, uh, D two, D three, the JUCOs. You know, I mean, you know, there's keep you know tweeting out all the velocities at the at the D one uh, Grand Junction World Series and D two you know World Series. There were Port River up in Enid, and uh, hey man, it, look, here's the deal. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's no thing to see 95 anymore. Uh, you know, my career, playing career, I saw 95 a few times. There's some really good Bryce teams, but mm. uh, you know, now it's it's consistent. It's midweek, it's weekend. It really doesn't matter where it is or when it is. We've seen 100 this year a few times. Uh, the velocity's there, the stuff is there, but you know, at the end of the day, man, it's not the talent, it's the toughness, right? Mm. You, you take that part of it, and that's going to be your separator. So uh, dig in. You know, there's plenty of machines now that that mimic. The 100 mile hour fastball, right? And slider to the right, 95 or whatever it is, and just crazy stuff like that. But, uh, hey, man, at the end of the day, you get in there and you compete. So, we have faced a, a plethora of, of premium arms this year that have pitched really, really well with elite stuff. Uh, you know, that's the reason we set up the non conference schedule like we did. I think it ended up finishing nine or 10 and uh, non conference ring the schedule in the country, the 290 something team. So, we're prepped, we're ready to go. You know, we're going to see uh, probably a big arm there with Auburn. You know, we've, we've, I don't know which one we're facing yet there's two of them uh, one of them we, we actually recruited out of alabama so uh, you know good teams good players man but you know those guys that's what they want uh, they're they're premium competitors and they want uh you know, go attack the best of the best and show them that they're we're the best of the best matt enjoy it man and go have fun in auburn we appreciate your time and continued success my friend absolutely clay appreciate you buddy having me on line up baby